hosts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. Welcome to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman, partner here at the XML Financial Group. So glad you could join me today. Before we get started, I got one housekeeping item, and that's on May 30th, we are having an open house. We're having it in Rockville at our main headquarters. And for those of you who've been into the office over the last few months, you know we've been doing a complete remodel The place looks fantastic. So we decided, hey, we got this great place. Let's have a party. So that's May 30th in the afternoon. If you want to come by, just stop by. We're at One Preserve Parkway. Again, it's in Rockville. We'd love to see you. Come out, meet the team. It's going to be a great event. The markets, well, the markets staged a breakout last week and turned in one of its best performances for the year. It was up 2% which means stocks are up about 3% so far this month and about 2% for the year, but still down about 5% from the highs in January. This current rally is being fueled by one, positive earnings, and two, by reports that show both producer and consumer inflation pressures remain moderate. Remember, stock investors have been concerned that if inflation pressure rises, the Fed will be forced to aggressively raise interest rates and higher rates mean more competition for stocks. It seems to me that investors have shifted their mentality from thinking what else could go wrong now to what can go right. Let's take a peek at earnings in general. Things have been really good on that front. Let's enjoy it while we can. We're clocking in at over 20% earnings growth for the quarter, almost 24%. And numbers like that are just unsustainable longer term. It's inevitable that we'll see some deceleration after the one-time tax benefits we received this year start to roll off. Right now, the 12-month forward earnings estimates have come down to about 15%. And it'll probably continue down to about 10% for next year. Those are still pretty darn good numbers. As earnings have gone up and stock prices have kind of moved laterally here, well, valuations have gotten a little bit better. I've gotten a lot of questions basically asking, are we about to head higher now? Well, I don't think so. I think we're still in, in the consolidation phase here. We need to see some convincing buying, and we just haven't had it yet. But who knows which way the market's going to head today, tomorrow, next month? I, you know, who knows? That's trying to time things. Longer term, I think earnings are the principal factor in driving stock prices. If you believe that, then it makes sense that the less you pay for earnings, better your future return should be. So buy good companies when you think that they're inexpensive. Don't try and time the market. There are a lot of investors who think the fastest way to riches is by trading. If you Google stock market timing, and I did, I got 1.84 million results. Everything from trading systems to books to newsletters and believe it or not, 
astrology charts to help me time the market. You've heard the old adage, sell in May and go away. There's tons of stuff out there. But after more than 20 years of managing money, I have yet to find any short-term trading strategy that actually works. I simply don't believe that there is a way to accurately and consistently determine the short-term market movements. And I think the scholarly research bears that out. I think it's best to be invested in the market. That is, invested in value stocks that offer the highest potential returns rather than playing that game of financial musical chairs, the timing game. You know, Peter Lynch, the famous fund manager, he once said that he calculated that more than half of the investors in his fund lost money. And his returns were pretty darn good. Half his investors lost money. And that happened because money would flow in after a couple of good quarters and flow out after a couple of not so good quarters. The Nobel Prize winner, William Sharp, he found that a market timer had to be right 82% of the time to match a buy and hold type return. There's even other research that shows that the risk of market timing are nearly two times as great as the potential rewards. The reality is, is that most of the market returns come from short periods of time. And you don't know when those are going to happen. So it's best to be invested for the long haul. Now, that doesn't mean you buy something and you forget about it. I think that you buy good quality businesses when you think you're getting a deal. And when the market is excited and willing to pay you more than what that business is worth, well, then go ahead and sell it to them. A good example of this is a stock I mentioned last week, Procter & Gamble, symbol PG. It's right around $73 now, which is about 17 times this year's earnings and about 16 times next year's earnings guesstimate of about $4.50. This type of stock is one that the market usually pays a premium for because of its predictability and its relative safety. But at the moment, they don't want to pay up for those qualities. As a matter of fact, It's trading at the bottom of the range that it's traded at over the last 15 years. And relative to the market, it hasn't been this cheap in more than 15 years. People want to see growth in the numbers. And frankly, P&G has fallen short over the last several years. But I think that's what's giving us long-term investors an opportunity. I think that P&G is turning a corner. They've sold off some brands and they refocused on the more profitable ones that they have. There's been a change in the boardroom, which I think it's going to be a positive over the, over the course of time. But what they do really, really well and pretty consistently is generate free cash flow. You know, I love free cash flow, which for last year was just short of $10 billion. And you can look back. And you can tell that they have a strong track record of returning that money back to the shareholders. Last year in total, they returned nearly $22 billion back to the shareholders through dividends, share exchanges, and buybacks. They paid $7.2 billion in dividends, and they, they increased that dividend by 3%, which was the 61st consecutive annual increase, 61 years of consecutive dividend 
increases. And that's 127 consecutive years that P&G has paid that dividend. They've paid one every year since they've been incorporated back in 1890. They've also reduced the shares outstanding by more than $14.5 billion through a combination of share repurchases and share exchange and in the sale of their specialty beauty uh, brands, the ones that they sold to Cody. The way I look at it is I'm able to buy a company that's in the process of change and I'm able to buy it when it's at its cheapest it's been in a long, long time. And while I'm waiting for that change to happen, I'm getting a 4% dividend that's likely to grow. And since I'm cheap, and you know I'm cheap, I can squeeze a dollar and make it scream. I'm cheap. I'd be a buyer under $72. Let's step away. Let's take a break. And when we come back, I want to talk about Home Depot, symbol HD. This is Eric Whiteman for Common Sense Investing. We are back in just a moment. You've worked hard. You've saved and invested. Now you want to make sure all your hard work pays off. Now's the time to start planning for that future. Hi, this is Eric Whiteman of the XML Financial Group. No two people have the same goals and values. We can help you craft a framework for making a lifetime of smart financial decisions that's right for you. Now's the time to get the advice you deserve. Call us at 301-770-5234. Well, welcome back to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman, partner here at the XML Financial Group. So glad you could join me today. If you have a question for the show, you can email us. It's podcast at xmlfg.com. Once again, it's podcast, which is plural, at xmlfg.com. Let's talk about Home Depots. I haven't talked about the home retailers in a while now, probably not since the end of last year, maybe the beginning of this year. And I've liked the home retailers. And that's because housing's been doing pretty darn well. And I would expect it to continue to do well. You have new households being formed. Yes, the millennials are actually moving out of their parents' basement and buying homes. You have relatively low interest rates, which mean you have low mortgage rates. And there's been inventory constraints, all of which have contributed to an increase in home values. And that's good for people like Home Depot. As home prices increase, homeowners end up having more equity in their properties. And they may not necessarily feel compelled to go out and buy a new home because they're giving up a low mortgage rate that they already have and they're paying a higher price, which means they could look to remodel. Harvard does the lira. And no, it's not the Italian currency. It's the leading indicator of remodeling activity. The lira was predicting that homeowners, uh, homeowners spending on improvement and repairs It's going to approach $340 billion this year. That's an increase of about 7.5% compared to last year. And I tell you, it hasn't been over 6.8% for more than 10 years. So things are looking to be setting up pretty good for these home retailers. Now, with that said, Home Depot reported earnings this week. And they they were fairly mixed. They beat on earnings, but they came up short on revenue. And earnings beat what most analysts were expecting, 
but that was primarily from a lower tax rate. But whatever the case may be, a lot of folks were looking at the comparable same-store sales, and those came up short. They came in at 3.9%, and investors were looking for 4.5% growth in same-store sales. I don't think this, the, the weakness was totally unexpected because weather played a big part here. Spring has come a little late, which more than likely pushed sales from the first quarter into the second quarter. And they did talk about this on the conference call. And they also said that May was looking pretty darn good for him. Now, you know how much I love cash. So one of the first things I did was I looked at how much cash was Home Depot bringing home. And the answer is $3.4 billion. $3.4 billion for the quarter. That's free cash flow. That's money that they can use to pay dividends and buy back stocks and do all those shareholder friendly things. And what they did was they ended up returning $2.3 billion back to the shareholders through dividends and buybacks. I think Home Depot is the gold standard here. I really do. And they're priced like it too. That's why I would look at our old friend Lowe's, symbol L-O-W. And this is one that I own. It's one I've talked about before. It's trading right around $85, $86 as I speak. Now, if you look at the chart on this thing, this stock has been on a roller coaster ride, like one of those rides that you find at Cedar Fair amusement parks, symbol F-U-N for that stock. And that's a stock I haven't talked about in years. And actually, it's one that my partner Rob likes now. And maybe I'll talk about it in upcoming shows. But anyway, back to Lowe's. Over the last six months, it's gone from the high 70s to darn near 110 and then back to where it is now in the mid 80s. I bring it up because Lowe's reports earnings next week and we can take some cues from Home Depot's report this week. Weather is going to affect Lowe's just like it did Home Depot. The spring selling season is going to come late for everybody. Actually, it's going to affect Lowe's more than Home Depot because Lowe's has higher seasonal exposure than Home Depot does. Over the last year, Lowe's has been about 3% lower consistently on their same store sales. And if that holds to be true, Lowe's would come in roughly flat, uh, roughly flat to slightly down on same store sales. And investors aren't going to like that one bit. So I think the bar needs to be reset here. And if you've been following Lowe's, then you know that they've had some issues. And we rarely get a bargain when everything is going perfectly, right? They've screwed up their product mix and they've had some other issues. But I think change is coming. Robert Nyblock, who is the chairman, the CEO, and the president, announced last month that he's retiring and the firm is looking for a new, for, well, actually looking for his successor. So there's still time to get your resume in there if you're interested. And he's been with Lowe's for more than 25 years. This probably isn't surprising because you've gotten some shareholder activists involved. You've seen a change in the board of directors. So people are thinking that a fresh approach is coming. I think Lowe's is a good company. And if they could wake up one morning and tie their shoes correctly, then you could see some of the improvement 
reflected in the share price. When I say they're a good company, well, they have a really good balance sheet and their earnings are pretty darn predictable too. Their earnings on average have grown 18% per year for the last five years and they've grown their dividend on average 20% per year for the last five years. That's pretty darn good. So things aren't terrible here, not by a long shot. They're just underperforming compared to Home Depot. And that is, I believe, reflected in the share price. Let's just say they earn roughly five and a half dollars this year. That means people are paying roughly 15, 16 times this year's earnings estimate and roughly 14 times next year's earnings estimate. That's about as cheap as it's been in the last 15 or 20 years. And as I, and as I said, earnings have been growing in the high teens. So earnings haven't been terrible. So here's the bottom line. There's a good possibility that Lowe's disappoints next week. And if you have some market weakness on top of that, well, you could see the stock head lower. I recommend it buying it late last year under $78. And I'm staying with that. If you get some disappointment in the numbers and some market weakness and it goes under $78, I'd be a buyer. This gives you a little bit of time to do your research and see if it's appropriate for you in your situation because you, you never want to go out and buy something without looking at it and making sure that it's appropriate for you. You just don't buy something you see in a magazine or heard it on TV or podcasts or what have you. You know the drill. Do your own research. Well, that's about all we have time for this week. We'll be back next Wednesday. Until then, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow them. Okay, you've listened to the show. Now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talked about during the show, well, they're just my opinion and may or may not necessarily be those of the XML Financial Group. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, no. You should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I'd suggest you get someone who's qualified in these areas so you can get the advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification, rebalancing, they don't guarantee better results and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.